welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of April 2018, entitled Hindrances of Satan, Part 7. And the Bible readings are taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word, first beginning in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, But as we were allowed of God to put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail We're laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. We are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And we know how, and ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Ye should walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. They please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Ye brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are our glory and joy. 
Then in Ephesians chapter 6, we begin reading in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein. I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Again, Lord, we give you thanks for your word this morning. Thanks for your spirit that lives within us. Lord, as we've already prayed, we just pray now once again, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Give to each one that is needed here this morning exactly what they need. Father, may we respond in whatever way that we need. And we give you the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. So we've noted as we move along in our series this morning, this is the seventh part of the series that we've been looking at on hindrances of Satan. I had somebody ask me, not in a bad way, but why do you preach or talk about the devil so much? Why have we been looking at him so much? Well, to be quite honest, because he's having such an effect on our lives, on your life on all of our lives. You see, the truth is we're talking about our enemy because too many people are allowing the enemy to defeat them, to beat them down, to hinder them from the very things that God wants to do with their life. And so we're not talking about him to give him any glory or for you to feel fear from that one called Satan, but that we might have the victory because we don't have to be defeated. We can defeat him. We can defeat him as believers through him that lives and dwells within us. And as we've looked at these two passages of Scripture, we see as the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica that he was writing to them and everything about it, from where we began in that chapter to where we finish with it, it's all about the gospel, the proclaiming of the gospel, and them responding to that gospel. It's not about who they are or what credit they can get or what glory that they might receive, but he says to them that the greatest glory, the greatest joy that they can have is to know that when Jesus Christ comes back, that they're ready to be there to meet him. You see, as we look at all of these things, and Paul is the one that said there in verse 18, you know, all these things, all this preaching that's happened, all these lives that have been changed and everything, and yet... 
He says, wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered the apostle Paul from being able to do even more than what we find here in this passage. We find that it was 12 years later, 12 years after writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica, that he wrote our reading in Ephesians, that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he again, we find that he was encouraging them this battle that we are in. Folks, we are in a battle, not a physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. We find that our instruments of war are not physical things. The spiritual battle can only be fought spiritually, and he is the victor. We do have everything in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling us, put on the armor because you are in a battle. Don't go into the battle unprepared. Be prepared for what he's going. But if you put on the armor of God, and if you'll stand in his strength and in his might and in his power, you can defeat the enemy. He is your enemy. So we've looked at a lot of things. We've looked at, if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to them online. We've looked at the reality of Satan's presence, the realm of his power, the reason for his program. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he wants to do to you. We've looked at a number of things of how he goes about his work. We saw how that Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. He doesn't want anybody to be saved, and he'll do whatever he can, even here in this passage, that we're being forbidden that we might speak to the Gentiles because they might be saved. He says, that's what Satan wants to do. But that's not what God's... And we saw, we looked at, you know, he uses all these, the learned crowd, the secular crowd, the religious crowd, the spiritual crowd. He doesn't care. Anything he can do to keep the sinner from coming to Christ. But we look secondly that he tries to hinder the sinner and the saint from coming to church. If it is a Bible-grounded church, a Bible-believing, he doesn't care if you go to church, if the truth isn't being proclaimed. He doesn't care if you're going to a church where the gospel is not being clearly preached. That is his whole purpose here. He said, everything that we've done through all these hindrances, we keep proclaiming the gospel. We keep telling people how they can be saved. If you're a sinner, he wants to keep you away from any place that the gospel might be proclaimed that would change your life. And if you're a saint... He, wants, he doesn't care if you go to some other church that's not preaching the truth. That doesn't mean we're the only one around. I'm just saying he wants to keep you out of one that's going to focus upon the truth where yes, you might grow, that you might be stronger, that you might actually put on that armor and fight this battle against him because he doesn't want you to be used of the Lord. He doesn't want you to get involved. He wants you to comfortably just sit on the sidelines uh, let it all go on. If you're saved... He can't get your soul, but he can sure hinder your service. So Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. He hinders the sinners and the saints from coming to a church where Christ is proclaimed, the truth is taught. He hinders the saint, the Christian, from being consecrated to Christ. 
We read this passage that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. Again, folks, it comes right back. He does not want Christ to be seen in your life. He doesn't want you to be set apart, to be set aside for his service to where your life can make a difference. He'll do anything he can to hinder that. And we looked at a number of those reasons. And then we said, really, comes right back, Satan will hinder the saint from carrying out the mission of Christ. You see, he wants to keep the sinner from being saved. He wants to keep the sinner and the saint away from God's word, God's house, anywhere that the truth is going to be preached. He wants to keep the saint from living like Christ and, and Christ being seen in his life. And he wants to keep him from the commission of Christ to take the gospel into all the world. And we looked at a number of those things, and folks, that's what it comes right down to in the end. This is a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. Ultimately, bottom line, if you're lost, the enemy wants to keep you that way. He wants you for all of eternity. He wants to separate you from God. He wants your eternal abode to be that place called hell, not the one that's called heaven. Mark it down. That's what he wants for you. He wants to destroy you now, and he wants to destroy you for all of eternity. And Christian, whatever else that's going on in your life, he wants to hinder you from what's, what's God's purpose for your life. What does God want to do with you? Who does God want to reach through you? What is it in our lives that's so important that it will keep us, hinder us from getting the gospel message to others. Well, we've looked at some of those things. What's he going to do, Christian? Well, he'll use people, <laughs> well-meaning people, people that sometimes love you greatly. I mean, when Jesus was telling his apostles that he had to go into Jerusalem, that he had to die on the cross, that he had to rise the third day, this was something he had to do. Peter, out of the love of his heart, because he cared so much about him. No way. We can't let that happen, Lord. We can't let that happen to you. What did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Peter hadn't turned into Satan. Satan was using Peter, even his own emotions and, and good feelings of love, to hinder Jesus, to try to hinder Jesus from doing what he had to do. In Jerusalem, he'll, he'll use people around you, the people that are the closest to you, to hinder you from doing what God wants you to do with your life. You need to realize and wake up, Satan's trying to keep you from being used of God. What's he using in your life? He not only uses people, we've seen, then it was, as we begin to look at the early church, we saw how that he used the powers the powers of those over him, both the civil and the spiritual realm of those that, that had the power that, that literally came down and said, you can't do that anymore. You can't preach the gospel. You can't do these things in Jesus' name. We can't do anything else. We have to do. You decide whether it's right or wrong, but we can't disobey God's law to do man's biddings. He'll use the powers. He'll use the law, both religious, civil. He doesn't care. Those that have the authority, if he can bring something down that will hinder you from doing the work of God, we see it all around. They bring down all kind of laws. For a while, they wouldn't even let us set our table up in the city center because they didn't want us giving out those materials. Satan 
will hinder. He'll hinder the gospel getting to the lost. That's what it comes down to. He'll use possessions. We saw in Acts chapter 5 where he used <laughs> these two godly people, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, and he used them to be able to do something good. They were doing a good act. They were selling their own property, and they were bringing proceeds from that and giving it to the house of God for God's work to be done. Now, what's bad about that? Nothing. That's not the problem. You see, they didn't have to sell that property in the first place. There was nothing that told them they had to sell that property and bring the money and give it to the church. If they did sell that property, there was nothing that said that they had to give all of it to the church. They said that they had sold the property and that they were giving it all to God and to his work. And the question, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? Why have you lied to God? Yes, you've lied to all these people, but in fact, you've lied to God. And of course, they were both separate times <laughs> carried out and buried. You see, he was using their possessions because they wanted some of that for themselves, but they didn't want other people to know. They were lying to God. They were lying to the people. They were taking a good deed and turning it into a, a bad deed because of their hearts and the way they were doing it. Satan hindered them from doing a great thing through the possessions, their desire for those possessions for themselves. We saw how that he also would use the persecutions by the people. We looked at a number of them there through chapter 5, being thrown into prison, God getting them out of prison, being beaten, being forbid to preach. He'll do anything he can. He'll bring the persecutions against you to make it hard. We saw last week how that he even used problems amongst the people. I mean, they were in church. I mean, man, this church, I mean, people were being saved like crazy by the thousands. Things were happening. But then he said there in chapter 6, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, people getting saved, the church is growing, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Man, God is blessing. Souls are being saved. People are being added to the, to the numbers week after week after week, and yet the murmuring starts. Now, there was a real problem. You see, problems will come up. Things need to be dealt with, but so many times we focus on the problem and just start murmuring about that instead of looking for a solution. It says, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It wasn't that there wasn't a problem. It's just that don't always look for somebody else <laughs> to resolve the problem. Don't always look for somebody else to get rid of it, that it's somebody else's wrong. It may or may not be, but that's not going to solve the problem. Maybe the preacher's doing his job well. Maybe he's doing it lousy. That doesn't mean the fact that together we're supposed to be ministering to the needs of everybody. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, which we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The other problems that are real 
that need to be dealt with. But if he can bring discontent again, what he was wanting was to hinder the prayer and the ministering of the word. He wanted to hinder that because it wasn't because it would have been a bad thing for the apostles to go out there and meet the needs of these widows. That's not a bad thing to do. But it becomes bad if they're having to neglect their time in prayer and ministering the word of God in order to do that. It's not supposed to be one or the other. It's supposed to be together. And that's why I said, okay, you're a body of believers. Let's choose some people that are fit, people that are being controlled, filled by the Holy Ghost, men that have great report. They're living those lives. Let's choose some people to put over this business to make sure that the problem is taken care of. Satan will hinder by getting you, even within the church, to start looking at what somebody else is not doing, looking at what should be done, rather than looking at how can we do this better as a body. And I want you to move on. I want you to notice something else. You see, notice what happens in the next verse. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. You see, Satan was trying to hinder. That's what he was trying to hinder. He didn't want more people to get saved. He didn't want more people to come in. That's what he was trying to stop. But when they looked to God, and they chose these men out, they were chosen out from amongst them, they brought them to the apostles, okay, Here's the people we think are right to, to, to make this happen, to get this work accomplished that needs to be done. And they set them over it. When they set them over it, the word of God increased. Satan was thwarted because he wanted to hinder it. It wasn't a really, a, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't care one bit whether the widows were taken care of or, or not taken care of. He did want to stop the word of God being increased. He used those problems to do that. But when they did it that way, God began to bless. But notice, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You see now, here's the apostles. They're doing this. The focus is on them. They're supposed to be doing everything. No, we're going to choose some others. You're going to point them over this stuff. Now God's hand is upon them. They're performing great miracles. They're doing the work of God. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, the religious crowd again, <laughs> which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Man of God was being used. God's hand was upon him. All these other religious folks start disputing with him, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Why was it important that they chose out these men of good report filled with the Holy Ghost? God knew. They're going to have battles to fight. They knew that Satan was going to try to stop them. Boy, it didn't take them long to start trying to put a halt. But they weren't able to resist him. And so <laughs> we looked at that this morning. We've looked at it for several weeks. We've been talking about does the truth really matter? That's one of the things. There's only one way to really answer those that are reproaching you, that are coming against you, and that's the Word of God.
That's the word of God. That's, your, that's what you can fight that battle with. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So what happened? So then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous, blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and called him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against his, this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. <laughs> they defeat Satan on the one hand. They appoint these men, which we call deacons in our churches now, to set over the business to help meet the needs of the congregation. And as God begins not just using the apostles, but using these to accomplish his work, this time it's the religious crowd again. <laughs> they ain't going to put a stop to this. I mean, here they are. They're supposed to be the important people. They're supposed to be the religious people. They're supposed to be God's mouthpiece. Look what these other guys are doing. The problem is they came against them, but they couldn't thwart the truth. They couldn't stand against the truth. So what did they decide to do? Well, we see in all this that in this case, they're using pretense, false witness, false accusations. They couldn't, they couldn't fight them with the truth. So they bring them before the council and set up all this false witness. But I want you to notice something else here. This is vitally important, folks. Here they start accusing Stephen of all this stuff. And, of course, we know they're taking stuff out of context of the destroying the temple and rebuilding it again in three days. They're just taking and they're twisting the truth and they're trying to, to say that he's against the real things of God and all of this. When they looked at Stephen, what did they see in his face? Like they were looking at an angel. <laughs> he didn't get up there and get all furious. Look, I didn't do that. You're accusing me of all these wrong things. He didn't get all bent out of shape. He knew everything they were saying against him was a pack of lies. He knew it was untrue. And he stands there like the face of an angel. Folks, he was full of the Holy Ghost. What they're seeing, they're seeing Christ in him just like he stood before the council, just like he took all their false accusations and false witness, like he's the one that stood there he didn't argue with them about it. <laughs> but what did Stephen do? Then said the high priest, are these things so? Is this true what they're saying about you? And he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham, and he was at Mesopotamia before he dwelled in Karen. And you can read on down. If we had time, it's a phenomenal message that he preaches to the council. He stands before the council being falsely accused. He stands there with the face of an angel and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. <laughs> he stands there and he preaches to them. What effect did that have? Well, you can read down through his sermon, and I would encourage you to do so, but notice he ends on this really sweet sugar-coated note in verse 51. 
ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which, which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, have not kept it. I mean, man, he is telling it like it is. He's calling it what it is. He's standing there. All he's done has been chosen by God to do this service for the church. And God's hand has been upon him and God's doing great things through him and they can't find anything to honestly bring against him so they bring him up on false charges, false accusations and he stands there and he preaches Jesus Christ to them and he tells them their spiritual state just like it is. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, here they are. Now they're not just telling the false lie. I mean, man, they're jumping on this guy. They're biting this guy. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. <laughs> I've heard it said many times. We find Jesus all through the other places sitting at the right hand, seated at the right hand of God. But at this point, he's standing. He's standing. I believe Jesus is standing, looking over the portal of heaven down to Stephen. He's standing there before that group. He says, that's mine. He's mine. I chose him. I've used him. He's mine. He stood there and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and run up on him with one accord. They didn't want to hear this preacher anymore and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. To see Christ. Do you understand? Satan wants to hinder you. And he, he, all these things, they all tie together. He's tried. He's tried to stop the word being preached in the church. <laughs> And when he couldn't succeed there and these men were chosen out and God's hand was upon them, he tries to stop them. He can't stop them with the truth, so he uses a bunch of lies against them. But then as this one is brought up on totally false charges, not guilty of anything, just like his Lord, we see. We see so much of Christ. You say, preacher, would you be able to do that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we would like to say, I, I hope I could. <laughs> but in the face of all these false accusations, he doesn't lose his cool. He's the picture of Christ. Just as Christ hung upon that cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Stephen as he's being stoned to death for just preaching the truth. He's being stoned to death. He says, Father, receive my spirit. Lay not this charge. Just like Jesus, Lord, don't lay this charge upon them. They don't know what they're doing. He knew. He knew it was the work of Satan, the work of enemy. You see, he's using people here again to come against God's men. It's Satan through those people. Stephen saw right through that because he was a man filled with the Holy Ghost. He saw that it was the enemy. Don't bring that charge against these people. We find that if you read on down, notice that it was right there that his clothes were being laid at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. What did Saul see that day in this one called Stephen? One that had just been chosen out by the church to do God's work. Saul saw Christ in Stephen that day. And he was the great persecutor of the church. The same Paul that wrote to us, that told us how he had had to withstand all of the persecutions and everything that had been brought against him to preach the gospel to that church. It was the same one that stood there that day when Satan was trying to hinder, and I promise you, <laughs> he didn't want Saul to see what he saw that day, but he did, and God used that. And so even in dying, folks, we don't ever know did God allow that to happen that day because, because he had another work to carry on through that man's soul? Satan is out to hinder you. And it's not always roses and everything. And notice that if you look on down, notice in the very next verse it says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. <laughs> all these thousands, stop and think of how many have been saved. Now listen, the persecutions have come against the church so much in Jerusalem now that after Stephen was stoned to death, the whole church was driven out of the city. There was nobody left except the apostles. The rest of them were scattered abroad all throughout the regions, the Bible says. Looks like Satan's destroyed the church, didn't he? <laughs> and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and make great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. What's Saul doing, man? He's going around. He's trying to lock up all of them he can. He's going to stop this movement. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Wow. That looks like a bad thing. Satan was trying to hinder. He was trying to hinder the gospel. All these people were getting saved in Jerusalem. He brought such persecutions against them that they were just scattered abroad everywhere. But what did those thousands do when they were scattered abroad? They went preaching the gospel. Some think this was intentional because 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible, had, the, the Lord had given them just before that he departed away, he reminded them of this great commission that we're talking about. And he says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now stop and pause a minute. The apostles, God was using them. The requirement for those men to be used was they be filled with the Holy Ghost. We find that it was there as Stephen was standing before this being stoned to death. It was the Holy Ghost that was, that was working in him and Christ being seen in him. They couldn't accomplish this. You can't fight this battle today. Satan will win. He will hinder you. He'll make your life worth nothing. I don't care how much you accumulate in this world. How do we get it in our heads? When are we going to stop preaching about the devil? When we stop giving him the upper hand, when we stop him from hindering us, when we get on and, and declare the victory that's ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, we don't have to fight this battle alone. He's given us everything that we need, but he'll still hinder you, just as he did the Apostle Paul. Today, I'm saying we need to fight this battle. You need to get off your seat. You need to understand there is a lost world out here that is dying and going to hell. There is no other way they're going to hear the gospel except through God's people. What are we doing? We're letting the enemy hinder us. And we're only, we're only touching the surface of the things here. But you see, with God, even when the enemy looks like he's getting the upper hand, even when it looked like that he had just totally wiped out this ministry at Jerusalem, what did he say there? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you Ye shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. <laughs> I say, well, Jesus knew they were going to get out of Jerusalem. Some think, well, they didn't heed and get out of Jerusalem on their own, so God got them out of Jerusalem. I don't know about all that, and God doesn't tell us, you know, what happened and what here, but God knew what was going to happen, and God used what was going to happen. The gospel was carried to all the regions by a persecuted people, by people that had been kicked out of their own church, out of their own town. And yet they didn't let that stop them because their job, their task was the commission that Jesus Christ had given them. And I'm saying to you today, folks, there's nothing, there is nothing in your life that's more important than the purpose that God has for you. Satan will hinder you until the day you leave this world if he can. And he'll use good people and he'll use good things and he'll use genuine hearts and love and all these things as well as all the bad stuff he can bring against you. He'll use anything that he can to keep you from being used to win someone else to Christ. It may even be a testimony that they see in your life. They're watching you. How much of Christ are they seeing you? What, what does God want to do with your life? What is Satan trying to stop God from doing with your life? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You see, God has burdened this preacher's heart that we're allowing Satan to hinder us. Yes, me and you and this church hinder us 
from doing all that God wants to do through our lives and through our church. And he doesn't care what it is, whether it's the people that we love, whether it's the possessions and the things that we have, whether it's the people that are in authority over us, whether it's the, the, the problems in the church. He doesn't care. He'll use anything that he can, and this is just touching the surface. There is nothing beyond him. Today, has Satan hindered you in coming to Christ by putting false things in your mind, false thoughts in your mind? Are you here today and you don't know that certainty? Why let the enemy defeat you? You don't have to. You're the one that's letting him do it. Jesus came to save you. He wants to set you free from the power of Satan. Every head bowed, please. Nobody looking around. Is there anyone here today that lift your hand and say, Preacher, I don't know 100% sure. I don't know for certain that I'm genuinely saved, born again and on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me? I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. Right now, I just want to pray for you. Do you care enough about your soul and about your eternity that you will slip your hand up and say, Preacher, please pray for me because I don't have that assurance. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? God bless you. God sees that. Anyone else? You see, I can't give you that assurance, but God wants to give you that assurance. Jesus wants you to have eternal life so much that he died. He paid the ultimate price to pay for your sin. He knew every sin that you'd ever commit. He knew everything. He knew every weakness that you would have. And yet he still said, I'll die in his place. I'll die in her place. I'll pay for their sin debt. Today, God wants you to be saved. Satan wants to hinder you from that. You need to realize and you need to overcome that. Christians, would any of you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. And I know, I know Satan's been hindering me for God having the full effect of my life, for God fulfilling his purpose through me. I know that there's things that Satan has hindered me from doing that God wants to do. Please pray for me that I'll overcome the hindrances of the enemy that my life can truly be what God wants it to be. Would you slip your hand up? God sees your hands. God sees your hands all over. Father, you've seen the hands and you know the hearts. Lord, again, here today, Lord, we're not here for the glory of man or anybody. We're here for your work to be done. It's your word and, and, and your spirit that must do that. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have better words or better me to do it. You knew what you were getting, but Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you can speak to these hearts today. These that don't know that they're saved, Lord, please help them not to put that off. Help them to realize that there's only one enemy that wants to keep them from being saved, one and one only. He's the one that's been hindering them. Help them, Lord. Help them to overcome that enemy by the power of your spirit. Help them, Lord, to, 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 to commit their lives to you, to seek that forgiveness that can only come from you. And for all these Christians, including this pastor, Lord, help us. Help us that we don't allow the enemy to hinder us. We do have a phenomenal battle, Lord, and we need to be, we need to be 
armored up for that battle. We need to be ready to face the enemy. We need to understand how he's going to attack. So many times he attacks in the places that we aren't even looking. And ultimately, his goal is the same, is to destroy. He wants to keep the sinner from coming to Christ. And he wants to hinder the Christian's life from being used that others can come to Christ. So help us today, please, Lord. We'll give you all the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.